This is Kick-Ass News. I'm Ben Mathis. Last year, renowned Republican political strategist, commentator, and ad maker Rick Wilson broke with his party when he offered a scathing critique of President Donald Trump in his number one bestseller, Everything Trump Touches Dies, a Republican strategist gets real about the worst president ever. Now he's taking it one step further and enraging some of his old colleagues in the GOP by writing a detailed playbook for how Democrats can defeat Trump in 2020. The book is called Running Against the Devil, a plot to save America from Trump and Democrats from themselves. And today, Rick Wilson returns to the show to warn the Democratic candidates that this election is not about policy, but a simple referendum on the disastrous presidency of Donald Trump. And if they think it's going to be a cakewalk, think again. Rick warns that Dems need to prepare for a knockdown, drag-out bar fight. He also says that this race will be settled in 15 states, and Democrats need to focus on winning in the Electoral College instead of taking comfort in Trump's poor poll numbers. Rick suggests that they shouldn't shy away from hitting Trump on his biggest strength, the economy. He advises how to use Trump's impeachment against him, and even says Trump's family is fair game this time around. Plus, we talk about the various grifters and crooks in Trump's orbit, including Rick's old boss, Rudy Giuliani. Coming up with Rick Wilson in just a moment. Rick Wilson is a renowned Republican political strategist, writer, speaker, commentator, and ad maker. He is the author of the number one New York Times bestseller, Everything Trump Touches Dies, and now he's out with a playbook for how Democrats can beat Trump in 2020. It's titled Running Against the Devil, a plot to save America from Trump and Democrats from themselves. Rick Wilson, welcome back. Thanks, Ben. I appreciate it. Like I mentioned in the intro, you are doing a playbook from a Republican strategist who's been in the game forever Yep, for Democrats on how to beat a Republican president. I have to wonder, what are your fellow Republican operatives saying about you helping the opposition here? Mostly they're dreaming about me spending time in Gitmo. Um, they're not really happy about it. I've had some very nasty notes the yeah. last few days, including from a guy that I worked with a long time who who has freely admitted to me how much he hates Donald Trump in private. Yeah. But in public, he's a lobbyist and he has to play the game. Mm -hmm. He's like, you know, I could never speak to you again, you asshole. I can't believe you wrote this bar. <laughs> I'm like, that's exactly the response I was hoping for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's funny. I have encountered so many Republican operatives and veterans of other administrations, people who work on Fox News, conservative personalities, and so often when the mics are off, they tell mm -hmm. me what they really think about Donald Trump. Right. And I'm like, why aren't you speaking up? We need more uh, Republicans saying these things. It's, you know, the first book, my my first book, Everything Trump Touches Dies, um, I had a lot of stories from members of Congress who would call me and just freak out every day. Mm -hmm. And and I've, you know, I've those guys, a lot of them were wiped out in 2018 mm -hmm. because right, they right. couldn't pretend enough to like Trump. And so in this new era, if you're not a worshiper of Donald Trump, the Republican ecosystem now rejects you and throws you out of the body. Yeah. Look, in that regard, being an apostate and being a rebel now and being out in the world without having to sell my soul every day <laughs> is great. I, I'm happy with where I'm at. Mm. And, and look, Running Against the Devil is a book that is basically two big parts. The first part is a warning about if you think it's bad now – Trump's second term can be so much more apocalyptically terrible. Right. <laughs> it can be so much worse. And Democrats who think this is going to be an easy race or or a race where they don't have to do the work mm -hmm. um, will fall victim to the same thing that Hillary Clinton had happened to her, which is they'll wake up on November 4th and say, oh, dear God, how do we lose Florida? How do we lose Wisconsin again? How do we lose Arizona? What the hell happened? And this book is a is a warning that complacency or doing a campaign based on what you want it to be versus what it must be mm -hmm. is a deadly trap. And 
for 30 years, Republicans had this long march through the country, and we won small races at first, and then bigger races, and then bigger races. And slowly but surely, we took over 38 state legislatures. Right, right. And I was along for a lot of that trip. I helped build a lot of the systems and design a lot of the methods we used over 30 years of taking apart Democratic core constituencies and stealing them. (laughs) And I didn't even have to steal them forever. I could just borrow them sometimes. (laughs) I didn't have to pick... You know, uh, pick you know any particular group that I was going to permanently try to convert. I would just pick out who I needed in that election. So if I'm mm. in Wisconsin, and you're running a statewide operation in Wisconsin, I know something about male Democratic men in rural Wisconsin. They disagree with the with with the Democratic Party, even if they're Democrats. Huh? They disagree with the Democratic Party on things like guns. I go into Ohio and I look at Catholic Democrats and I ID Catholic Democrats. I go, okay. We're going to talk about abortion in this place because these people are not comfortable with the Democratic Party's national position on it. They're Democratic voters on all these uh, other issues, but we would find a way to go in and cherry pick, yeah, and and basically take a you know classic like Chinese menu approach: one from column A, uh-huh. and one from column B, and one from <laughs> column C, and build these coalitions and build these campaigns that were able to short circuit what would ordinarily be Democratic voter behavior. Uh-huh. So you've been exploiting these fractures for years. Yeah, because I can do math and I understand people. (laughs) Um, And I say that facetiously, but look, our campaigns on the Republican side, until the era of Donald Trump, which is a whole separate sort of phenomenon we got to talk about, these down-ballot races in the Senate and the House and and for the Democratic nomination and for the Democrats running against him, Mm -hmm. they need to be driven by data, not by inclination and ideology. They need to be driven by polling and focus groups and the and the voter data file and how they how they're getting their A B testing back from social media on on various messages because they cannot run on what they think they want. Mm-hmm. If they run a campaign based on healthcare and climate change policy papers, <laughs> they yeah. will lose a spectacular they will have a spectacular <laughs> wipeout. Voters yeah. really don't make their choices based on that. Yeah, I mean, if I hear the Green New Deal one more time in the Democratic debate, right. I am going to lose my mind. And here's the thing. Every policy the Democrats put out is an opportunity for guys like me to turn that policy into a nightmare. You put out a 600-page huh. policy paper, and I will put my nerds to work. Because I'm not going to read a 600-page <laughs> policy paper, by the way. And yeah. no, no other American is either. Yeah. I've got highly trained geeks who do this. Yeah. They will you're going to th- find something that can be used as a cudgel, huh? And there will be five or six things in that 600-page document that will make it into an attack ad. And the thing you think sounds great, Medicare for all. We're going to, you know, da-da-da-da-da. Well, you know what Medicare for all turns into in the ad? If you're a union worker here in Wisconsin, the Medicare for all plan means you lose your private health insurance. We negotiated hard. Our union backed us on it. And now they want to take it away. And you think that ad is is over the top or overdrawn. It's not even close. These things will be these things will be fodder for a million ads. Arguing about policy in elections never works. People vote on personality. They vote on connection. They vote on things that are so macro that reducing them into a policy plan is is entirely counterproductive. Mm. Look, I say this a lot. Donald Trump's policy fit on a trucker hat. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. True. Yeah. But on the flip side, so did Barack Obama's mm-hmm. hope and change. Right. It fit on right. a poster. Right. It was not. Barack Obama did not go out every day and say things like Elizabeth Warren does. On page 411, paragraph yeah. six, footnote four <laughs> of my health care reimbursement adjustment scheme, no one does that. And people in the voting pool don't believe that. Most mm-hmm. voters make up their mind very late. About 65% of the people who are going to make a vote, who are going to who are undecided in a big election, They'll decide in the last two to three weeks of the campaign, they're not reading policy papers. They're making a gut check decision. And so the Democrats have to get a candidate this time. And I work very hard in the book not to try to pick their candidate. But they've got to do a gut check of what's working as a referendum against Donald Trump, Mm -hmm. not what kind of policy policy proposals are going to move voters because they don't. Yeah, you're saying here, instead of getting bogged down on policy, you need to make this referendum on Donald Trump over the past three years. But 
you know, isn't that pretty much what Hillary did? I mean, wasn't her whole campaign, at least I'm not Donald Trump? <laughs> well, the problem with Hillary's campaign is they had a presumption of victory. Mm-hmm. And that is a deadly, deadly cancer that eats a campaign alive once it gets in your head. <laughs> once you start thinking, oh, we're going to pick out curtains and decide who gets what office, you expose yourself to enormous risk. So they took mm-hmm. their foot off the pedal in October. They thought that Donald Trump, even though the Comey thing was kind of a you know an irritation, they thought Donald Trump was going to lose and lose spectacularly. Right. So they stopped spending money in Ohio and Wisconsin and Pennsylvania and Michigan and Arizona and Florida and other places. They 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 violated one of the two key rules in a campaign. The first rule is there's only one resource you can never get back in a campaign, and that's time. Mm-hmm. You can raise more money. You can run more ads. You can hire more people. You can knock more doors. You can't get a single lost day back. Hmm. So they skated after the convention, thinking that Trump had imploded, that pussy grabbing and everything else had ended the campaign. The Republican rebellion was in full vocal swing in 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 the campaign, and they presumed victory. So never get, never presuming victory is a is a fatal uh, presuming victory is a fatal flaw. Yeah. But wasting that time is a fatal flaw. The other thing is, when you stop going to the states that are on the electoral college target list and start wasting your time in states where the election is already over, look, I know how California is going to vote. Sure. I know how Mississippi is going to vote. There are states, and probably about thirty five of them, where and, and as much as people hate it. As much as people despise the Electoral College, tough shit. It's the rule. That's <laughs> yeah. how we do elections for president in this country. If you want to change it someday, give it a shot. Amending the Constitution, super easy. Try it any time. Yeah, fine. <laughs> um, but they're not going to overturn it. There's no law that's going to overturn it. There's no state compact that's going to mm-hmm. overturn it. It will be fought in the Electoral College. So the Democrats have got to go out and run messages and themes and have a candidate who can work in the Rust Belt states that flipped to Trump, Mm -hmm. in Florida, in North Carolina, in Arizona, and a handful of other places, you know, New Hampshire, uh, Maine, a handful of these other places where you've got to have a candidate who will not scare them off, who can bring that referendum and that case against Trump, and who is effective as a party leader to try to unify a party that saw a big drop off. Another thing Hillary did very, very wrong, they presumed African-American turnout would remain as robust as it was for both Bill Clinton and for Barack Obama. Boy, was that a bad call. (laughs) So you've got to have that candidate be able to do those things, especially in the states that are not as woke Mm -hmm. and as far left. Right. And, and, uh, you know, I've had a lot of progressive friends who say, well, if we just turn up enough progressive energy, I'm like, if Donald Trump hasn't sufficiently excited the Democratic base at this point, I don't know who mm-hmm. will. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, 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 will, they will fight till the last dog dies to mm-hmm. go after Trump. So you've got the luxury of then being able to talk to people who are not super woke, of getting those, those white male rural Democrats who voted for Donald Trump and suburban Democrats in in the Rust Belt states particularly to come home. Mm-hmm. You've got an opportunity there. It's a narrow path. This is not easy for the Democrats. This is sure. not going to be an easy election. Yeah, but I, I see what you're saying about Hillary, and I feel like I see a lot of that same cockiness already because my impression is that Democrats are looking at Trump's poll numbers and operating on this assumption that anyone can run against him and win. And in fact, maybe I almost feel like they see this as their big moment to run the liberal progressive platform that they always wanted to run, but they couldn't when they had a more traditional, sane GOP candidate like McCain or Romney on the other side. Look, I, I said this to Democrats until I'm blue in the face. I'm like, you, always, you guys always want to know what the secret sauce is. It's not gerrymandering or voter suppression or any of those other things. Those are excuses. Those things may exist in, in some measure, but mm-hmm. they're more excuses than reasons. The reason Republicans beat Democrats is they exploit cultural disconnects between the Democratic national top-level policy positions and the local and state characteristics of their voters mm-hmm. in places where they, you know, until Trump came along, this long march we'd had, you know, 2,000 seats over 25 years and 1,000 during Barack Obama. Now, 
since Trump came along, Republicans have lost 650 of those. So good job, Donald. So much winning. <laughs> yeah. Um, but all those seats that we took from them, we did it by connecting better with voters and not mm-hmm. not saying to them, you have to follow every single item on our ideological checklist. We just want to talk to you about this. Mm-hmm. But instead, and I there, I told I mentioned it here in a focus group. This guy in a focus group I was in, mid fifties, early sixties, I guess, and he says, you know, I'm terrified that I'm going to use the wrong pronoun, and I'm going to get fired huh. because I don't know the rules, I don't understand the rules, and the rules are always changing, and I don't get it. Mm-hmm. He was a, and if I'm not mistaken, he was a Bush Obama Trump voter. Huh. Okay, so you do that math. Yeah, but. He didn't. Uh, he 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 lives in this fear of like the politically correct thing that's out there, the wokeness police. Mm-hmm. And I promise you, other guys like me who are working for Trump have found that too. And that's mm-hmm. why they're always playing these cultural aggrievement games: the war on Christmas, Sharia law, right. Mexican right. caravans are coming <laughs> to kill you, and put a taco truck on your street. Yeah, you know the combination of all those things. And they're playing to something that's out there, and it's not – some of it is racism and xenophobia, mm-hmm. but some of it is just cultural and social uncertainty mm-hmm. about a world that's changed very quickly and about a world that isn't what a guy who works in a – you know, a guy who does IT at a at an auto parts factory in, in Wisconsin – is not keeping up with what are the appropriate gender surnames. You know, he doesn't know right, Zer sure. from her, and he yeah. doesn't he doesn't know how to use those <laughs> things. But they're afraid that the corporate culture is going to come and get them. Mm-hmm. And look, part of that is generated by this agitprop network at Fox, which is always telling them the bad liberals are coming to slay you. <laughs> yeah. So I guess Democrats really have to ask themselves if some of these smaller cultural issues are the hill that they want to die on. Well, and I say that in the book. I mean, the the culture war is where Democrats go to die, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and they just uh, you 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 talk to them sometimes, and there's this moment where, and I've had this discussion a lot in writing this book in the last couple of years, where you say to them, "Hey, don't run on gun control in North mm-hmm. Florida." <laughs> and they say, but what about gun control in North Florida? And you say, don't run on gun control in North Florida. You'll lose North Florida. But 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 but, but South Florida, it's really popular. Okay, you want to win also North Florida, which is you know forty percent of the vote. Do you do you want to win that or do you not? And, and this this disconnect, these these articles of faith in the progressive side. And again, and in the book, I'm not, and I say this explicitly in the book, I'm not telling you what policies of yours are right or wrong. Yeah, there, many of them are right. wrong. You're not but trying I'm not, to turn Democrats just, into Republicans right. I'm not here, right? trying to make them moderates. Okay. I'm not trying to make them centrist. I'm not trying to make them Republicans. Okay. I'm just telling them if they run on certain issues in certain places, mm-hmm. guys like me are going to take their lunch money. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's easy to, for Democrats to be a little bit optimistic if you look at the polls. I mean, I don't think that I've seen Trump above 50 percent approval in three years. And yet last time, all the polls had Hillary beating Trump by a decent margin and all the polls were proven wrong. Do polls matter anymore? State, Can we trust poll, that? state polls matter. OK. OK. And one of the things that Hillary Clinton's team and I, I had a piece of insider knowledge from this. Somebody told me this story from inside that world. Mm-hmm. They were getting worried about Wisconsin and Ohio late in the campaign. They were seeing the slippage, and they poured some money back in at the last minute. Hmm. State polls were very accurate, and frankly, the national polls captured almost to the penny the split in the popular vote between Clinton and Trump. Guess what? National polls and $3.75 gets you a latte. (laughs) <laughs> national polls mean nothing in the end of the day they're yeah. big they're big sweeping barometers mm-hmm. but you can't make a campaign decision based on them mm-hmm. in fact you can't make a campaign decision based on even state polls you've got to be running your own digital polling operation every night where you're making tens of thousands of calls in the course of a month into a state it's not the 600 mm-hmm. sample thing anymore you know we've overcome the online polling and the and the and the robo-polling problem by just throwing the more numbers at it. Mm-hmm. 
So you know, you you would do a, a regular survey. You survey six hundred people. You get a good sample. Robopoll. You survey a thousand people. You've got a sample. Yeah. So we sample ten thousand people, <laughs> or twenty. You know, okay. robo polling and VoIP polling is cheap now. Yeah, and we also have a lot of stuff online where we're watching. You know, who responds and who clicks on what message? Mm-hmm. Who's looking at? You know, you'll 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 get a group of a thousand voters you want to influence, and so five hundred of them will get ad A, and five hundred will get ad B, and you A B test, and if a, ad B works better, they get a lot more of ad B, mm-hmm. and then you study ad B. And add B plus or add B two point and which one works? And you this algorithmic driving yeah. of messaging is something that yeah. Democrats, Republicans invented micro targeting mm-hmm. in '04, and maybe a little before, but Democrats invented this online targeting system. You working with Facebook in '08, the Republicans reverse engineered it. Okay, there were two groups that reverse engineered yeah, it. Yeah, what happened? Because yeah, I mean, the, the Obama had such a great digital operation, right? And, and you now know what? Hillary like Clinton's people had a, had a problem called "not invented here." <laughs> okay, and they wanted to recreate it on their own. Uh, uh. And you know, there's a reason why most fighter airplanes look the same. There are certain design principles that work for fighter airplanes. <laughs> they're skinny. They're pointy. They have big, big overpowered engines. Well, don't try to reinvent. The, you know, the, 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 the classic problem in campaigns is you don't have the advantage of the tech industry. Mm-hmm. You can't do scale fast, fail fast. Right. You have to scale fast and not fail. <laughs> and so the, 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 the abandonment of that and the belief that you could basically muscle through it without mm-hmm. a great digital operation is one of the great lessons of 2016. Sure. And if the Democrats – and I, I, right now I fear that any of them have a good digital operation. Hmm. That is one of the things I talk about in here is the Democrats' campaigns are run very differently than Republican campaigns. For years, there were always this like, you know, friend of a friend, you got to bring in everybody from the loser's campaign into your campaign. Screw that. You need the tightest, smallest campaign operation you can manage in the management side so you can put as many people with boots on the ground and knocking doors and doing calls on the other. You want to you want to okay. make a very uh, – their campaigns typically are very top-heavy. Yeah, yeah. Their campaign needs to be light at the top, heavy on the tech, heavy on the warm bodies because Trump's campaign is going to be very, very, very heavy on the tech mm-hmm. and very, 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 very heavy on the money. Mm-hmm. So they're going to have to have some advantages. Yeah. They're going to have to do a lot of smarter campaigning, and the campaigns have to be accountable. We're going to take a quick break, and then I'll be back with more when we come back in just a minute. I have to say, though, I'm still amazed that Trump was able to win this election in spite of this monumentally shitty campaign team that he had. I mean, he had well, so he had many a lot of help from the outside. and wannabes sure. and washed up GOP hacks like oh, yeah. Manafort and Roger Stone. Sure. He had apparently no ground organization, no. very little discipline. Every week's a new dumpster fire. Can we expect a much better organization this time around? Well, let me tell you one of the great advantages they had was that for 30 years, the Republican Party basically ran one long negative campaign against Hillary Clinton. Mm -hmm. She was a disliked figure because she had been beat up for so many years by the GOP. And and she was also a terrible candidate, probably one of the worst candidates of a major party since Mike Dukakis. Really? She was a bad, bad bad (laughs) candidate. She did not perform well in, and, I, and look, I watched it. I watched the dial groups in, in focus groups. I watched her talk and watched them turn the dials down. Mm-hmm. And these were Democrats and independents. And they just never felt like she was being real with them. And look, no, I, she's got a lot of reasons for hurt and like all this built up defense mechanism in her in her her life. I get it. But she was not a felicitous candidate. She was not a happy mm-hmm. warrior. She was not out there swinging for the fences every day and enjoying the, the great battle. The other thing that that overcame a lot of Trump's problems was that for 15 years, NBC had Trump on its air on a very popular television show. Sure. And so voters out there, their image of Trump, if they unless they were from New York City, okay, their image of Trump was largely derived from The Apprentice. 
He's smart. He's a great negotiator. He knows people. He's a billionaire. He talks all these deals and all these ideas that he's, you know, that this image that they got that a screenwriter put down and Trump read off of a teleprompter <laughs> yeah. was is now president. God. Yeah. And and so those two things played a very big role in 16. You mm-hmm. won't have that same level, but you will have Trump. Look, the clowns and the jokers are still around Trump. Mm-hmm. But there are also a lot of folks in the Republican Party, guys like me, who are still there because they're ride or die with this guy. They don't have mm-hmm. an option. Right. There's no other third party. There's no other Republican candidate they can go to. So they're stuck. Mm-hmm. And if they want to make money, and Trump is going to spend a tremendous amount of money, they're going to stay. They're going to keep their mouth shut. They're going to play ball, and they're going to do what they're told to do. Yeah. Now, you give us a little bit of a preview of the Trump campaign in 2020. What's he going to be running on? What's the message? Sure. Do you see a strategy beginning to form? The strategy that Trump will run on is very, very simple. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. I'm the voice of the common man. I'm the voice of the silent majority. It is, niche, it is Richard Nixon's campaign that Roger Ailes designed in 1968. Huh. They are the brown people. They are coming to take your home, your job. They're going to replace you in society. The caravans are coming. They're violent criminals and rapists. The liberals want to take away your money, your freedom, your guns. And it is a base-only election for Trump. The advantage of that for Trump is that the electoral college states he has to play in, the base is almost big enough for him to do it. The downside for Democrats in those states, the, the electoral college states they have to win in, is their base is not quite big enough to do it. So they have to do a poll operation to get independent voters and to get Republican voters and get those Trump-Obama voters and to get suburban women who are drifting toward them, but not they're not there yet to bring them in. And a lot of those voters who've soured on Trump, they're not looking for a Democratic Trump. They're not looking for the the revolution. Not, they don't want you know the, the Aristos taken to the guillotine. Mm-hmm. They're not there. They don't want to feel scared. They don't want to feel like this country is run by a cruel, capricious, and corrupt asshole. So that's why there's an argument to be made. And again, I'm trying not to pick the candidate for somebody who's more affable and more able to mm-hmm. talk to those folks in those states. Mm-hmm. That argues more for a Biden type, a Klobuchar type, okay. than it does for a Bernie type. And and I say this in the book, I'm going to get my Twitter feed melted down as I do every game day. <laughs> um, Bernie Sanders will lose 44 or 45 states. He will get blown out so hard. People will, it will be like Jeremy Corbyn mm-hmm. has destroyed the Labor Party in Britain. <laughs> The Democrats will be in the wilderness for a generation if it's Bernie Sanders. Okay. But but what about all those Bernie bros who went to Trump in the general election? Exactly. Can that be counted on? No. Here's the problem. Bernie bros are anarchists. They don't care. They're okay. not they're not there's no there's they want chaos. Mm-hmm. They they want the they want that sweet smell of gunpowder in the morning. They're <laughs> not after a progressive revolution or any yeah. of that other stuff, they're anarchists. Okay. And Bernie took his ball and went home last time. Mm-hmm. You know, and the Hillary people know, and Hillary took a pop at him today, or or at least this week, um, <clears throat> basically saying nobody likes him for a reason. He's a career politician who hates everybody. And, you know, Bernie took his ball and went home. In 2016, he gave one or two speeches, yay, Hillary, oh, okay, I'm going to endorse her. Because the contract requires I endorse her, <laughs> and now you're endorsed. I'm leaving. <laughs> That's my Bernie imitation. That's about as That's far as I bad. go. It's, yeah. not, it's not terrible, it's but not the Larry millionaires David's, and billionaires but, yeah. are attempting to steal this election from me. <laughs> um, now, Trump's response to impeachment and sure. Mueller investigation, any criticism at all has usually been, well, just look at the economy. That was working for Bill Clinton in 96, uh, barring a full-blown recession. Do you think that there are places where his strength can be turned into an Achilles heel? There is an opportunity for that, and three things are are out there in play. The reason he did a crash and burn on the trade deals and basically gave China and Mexico and Canada Mm -hmm. everything they wanted was the economic damage in the Midwest and in the the Rust Belt states was tremendous. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, we were paying basically – we've basically paid about $100 billion in subsidies to farmers by borrowing that money from China to help pay for the economic damage that a trade war with China did to them. 
which is the most recursive dumbassery I've ever seen. But the economic bubble that we're in, look, for eight years, so George Bush and Barack Obama both made a very consequential decision. George Bush to bail out the banks so that we wouldn't have a complete economic collapse. Barack Obama to continue the stimulus and the TARP program that kept those banks alive, and then to keep the Fed rolling this long injection of liquid liquidity into the markets mm-hmm. at zero interest rates. Now, Donald Trump has browbeaten the Fed to keep that flow running, even though we don't need it hypothetically. We also had a $2 trillion tax cut that primarily affected Wall Street and the hedge fund industry. And I know this because I know the guys who wrote the bill. I know the <laughs> really? guys who were sitting no in McConnell's office, the lobbyists who were in McConnell's office, writing this on behalf of their clients in the hedge fund and the and and the financial services industry. And so that has juiced Wall Street tremendously. Mm-hmm. They love it. It's fantastic. Yeah. We've also done two trillion dollars of deficit spending. You know, we basically doubled the 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 annual budget deficit. And so all this stimulus is in the economy right now. I'd be shocked if it wasn't doing what it's doing. Sure. But all sugar highs crash. All sugar highs end. Right. And there is a message to voters out in the country that the tip of the the tip of the iceberg at the very peak of the economic pyramid, they are in fact reaping 85% of the benefits of all this. Mm-hmm. And you know, people in the gig economy and the part-time economy, which is where the economy is growing the fastest, you know, they're not feeling economic security. Mm-hmm. They're still feeling True. very True. economically insecure. True. There's an argument to be made here for the Democrats. I know this is going to blow their minds. They can become a party that's much more driven by market capitalism in the in a in a genuine way than mm-hmm. rather than the crony capitalism way that, that Trump is is expressing it. Because mm-hmm. the country is still I know I know Democrats are gonna need to sit down and get the smelling salts out. <laughs> basically market capitalist. People right. still People's ambition is still to do great in a job or a business and succeed and provide for their kids and their family and do great things with that. Mm-hmm. They still want to be rich by working for it. It is less resonant for them, well, as I jokingly like to say, to put the aristos in the tumbrils and take them to the guillotine. They're not <laughs> looking for the socialist, you know, the, the the socialist revolution. They're looking for a a level playing field where work and opportunity go mm-hmm. hand in hand. Whatever happened to America's bullshit detector? Because, you know, when I think of these farmers and the steel workers and the coal workers who all got sold a bill of goods, nothing. why aren't yeah. they angry about being played for fools? Well, we go back to what I said earlier. The Republicans are great at offsetting their economic interest mm-hmm. by getting into that cultural space. Right. Because you know what? Here's the thing. You got a guy in West Virginia. He sure as hell voted for Trump. And he did not. He voted for John McCain. And he voted for Mitt Romney. Okay, and he is getting his ass kicked economically. He is getting destroyed. His industry is dead. Coal mining is dead. It's still dead. Everything Trump touches dies. Perfect example. No matter how many regulations Trump cuts, the coal industry is still dead. It's over. Those guys have nothing. Yeah, they got fucked by this guy. Yeah, but you know what? In the fall, Democrats are going to say, at the national level, they're going to go, "We want a full ban on all semi-automatic weapons." And that guy in West Virginia, no matter how bad he's been fucked economically, is going to go, screw you, fuck off, no. (laughs) And that guy in western Pennsylvania and southeastern Ohio and northern Michigan and western Michigan, everywhere in Michigan except the Detroit Ring, Mm -hmm. and that guy in North Carolina, which is a winnable state for Democrats if they just don't step on their dicks, (laughs) is going to say, no. Or any, you can iterate that out. Go to Ohio. We're going to third term, third term abortions. Yay. What a great idea. Only 13% of the country believes in third trimester abortion, no matter where you stand on the issue of choice. Okay. Only 13% of the country thinks that's a good thing. Hmm. And yet you will have Democrats who will get, who will fall, they will get trapped into it. Trump will bait them into it and they'll be defending taxpayer funded Hmm. third trimester abortions in Catholic Southern, uh, Southeastern and and Southwestern Ohio. What? 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 Don't take all the bait. 
Yeah. Don't say everything on your mind. Don't tell people yeah. everything you you think that, that, that your friends at the DSA want to hear. Mm-hmm. Shut your mouth once in a while and show some campaign discipline. Yeah. I mean, look, I've had guys who literally wanted to destroy Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security, Republicans, <laughs> who literally believed that those things must be burned to the ground for, the, for, for, for free market economic purposes. Wow. And you know what I said to them? <laughs> If you ever fucking say that in public, I will quit and I will embarrass you. Shut your mouth. Shut up. Stop talking. Do not say what is on your mind. Um, so that's a that's something I talk about in the book a lot is you don't have to tell everybody everything all the time. Mm-hmm. TMI is a real thing. Yeah. <laughs> now, the current group of candidates on the Democratic field – it, they seem to more or less be sticking to the Obama playbook of when they go low, we go high. Is what that going to work for them in this what election? Do they need to this take the gloves a, off? Ben, this is a bar fight. <laughs> These are people who have never been in a scrap in their lives. Right. you got to go in here with a tire iron and a baseball bat. You <laughs> cannot go into a fight with Donald Trump thinking, he will say something egregious and I will shame him. He will be so <laughs> embarrassed he'll never do that again. Bullshit. Trump thrives on that. He loves mm-hmm. that shit. He wants you to, to he wants you to try to make him ashamed. He wants you to whine about it. He wants you to complain. You know, it's it, you know, when Ted Cruz was getting beat up by Trump and Trump said, "Oh, your dad killed JFK and your wife is ugly." Ted Cruz's response was first it was like, "How dare you, sir? Yeah. You have offended my honor." <laughs> And then it was, you know, this is, we're better than this. The party's better than this. Right. The correct response was, your wife's a mail order whore. Fuck you. (laughs) Get back in their face twice as hard. (laughs) Trump never gets punched in the face because no one has the guts to do it. They're afraid that, or they'll go in with one swing. Yeah. They'll go in with one punch. Like poor Jeb. I love him to death. But he went in there like one joke about Trump and then Trump proceeds to like whip his dick out and like screech and go, your dad, and poor Jeb's like Polacks. He doesn't get it. He doesn't. He's like he's like standing there with his head cut in two, and you can't swing at Trump once. Mm-hmm. Marco makes one joke about the hands, then gets scared off. Yeah, you've got to go in there and you've got to never stop hitting him. Once yeah. you start, you cannot stop. You've got to get into his shit. You've got to call him things that he that he hates. Call him fat. Call him stupid. Call him <laughs> poor. They're all true. You, I, mean, I am a happy warrior. I love fighting in politics. I love scrapping. It's great fun. And it's what the founders knew was going to happen. We were Mm going to always have fights left and right, you know, (laughs) federalist and anti-federalist, conservative, whatever you want to phrase it. People who don't have fun in this lose. Yeah. And Trump actually enjoys what he does. He enjoys fucking with people. Yeah. And if you're going to have a guy who will break all the rules and violate all the standards and, 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 and crack every norm we've ever had. And your hopeful, and your hope is to shame him into good behavior. Mm-hmm. That's a fool's errand. You've got to yeah. be in the fight. You got yeah. to fight like you mean it. Now, does that mean that family's fair game? I mean, if Trump is going after Hunter Biden, is it well, open look, season? I've, I've left. I, I I've I've always, as a campaign rule, left minor children out of it. Okay, so no I, no attacking Barron. I've then, huh? never said a word about Barron in okay. any in any sarcastic way, except to tell people stop talking about their kid. He's a minor <laughs> child. Now look. The minute he's eighteen and gets involved in politics, uh-huh. fair game. Okay. Yeah, the 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 Eric the wide gummed moron and Don Junior <laughs> and and Ivanka and Jared, they're all. I mean, Jared's not really a family member, but you know, it's all very close in that family. <laughs> um, my theory, by the way, was always that Donald Trump wanted Jared to go to jail so he could comfort Ivanka properly. Um, <laughs> oh <my> God! <laughs> but they're the, the their kids. Absolutely fair game. Mm-hmm. And if if it's wrong for Hunter Biden to get a job working for a, a Ukrainian company, is it wrong for Ivanka to get um, patents and trademarks from China while we're negotiating for a Chinese trade deal? Mm-hmm. Is it wrong for the sure. for the Trump boys to be selling condos hand over fist to Saudi nationals? Mm-hmm. Come on. <laughs> so gloves are off. Everything is pretty much fair game. Mm-hmm. Anything goes this time around. Look, yeah. this will not. Never rely on decency in this yeah. campaign. Well, yeah, and I think that Democrats don't understand the lengths to which he will go in 2020 because they're assuming that his motives are pretty much the same as 2016, where, you know, it was an exercise in vanity with no real consequences for Trump. But this time, 
winning is an existential imperative for him because if he loses, it's not like he's going to go back to playing golf and hang around Mar-a-Lago and chasing right. porn stars. Right. He knows that staying in the Oval Office may be the only thing standing between him and prison. Correct. And and this is one of the things that, that Trump's enablers, are, are why they're so committed to, to winning this race. Mm-hmm. Because they know that if they can spin this out for drag this out for four more years, they might escape prison time. Hmm. But there are an awful lot of people around him who, when there's an actual attorney general who isn't just a factotum for the Trump family, and when there's an actual Department of Justice again, there's going to be some very big legal bills and some very bad outcomes. And as Paul Manafort has learned, Donald Trump will not save you from prison. We're talking on the first day of the Senate impeachment trial, and in the book, you actually cautioned Democrats against impeachment. But now that that ship has sailed, how would you advise Democrats to play the Senate impeachment? Yeah, look, and I wrote that um, I wrote that uh, chapter of the book and turned the manuscript in in August of last year, right, of course, and my publisher was like, Absolutely no changes after this date. This is locked. We're in stone. It never can be changed until the, you know, maybe we can do a paperback change later. I'm like, none of this Ukrainian thing. Oh, no. Seriously, guys. No, I mean, really, really. And they were great about it, I got to say. They really were. They, right. They, we, we, we were able to still make our deadline and, uh-huh. you know, some very dedicated people worked some long weekend hours. But I had to basically recalibrate that chapter a little mm. bit because Ukraine was a very clearly impeachable bright line immediate offense mm-hmm. with a simpler narrative structure okay. than than Russia right right a much simpler narr- and a provable narrative structure that led to a fact base right that you could touch right now mm-hmm. that wasn't locked away in the vaults at the NSA <laughs> or hidden away in in Russia yeah but Trump's you know he's fundraising off of impeachment of course. now oh, look, he's using look, it to his advantage it's a so two-edged how do they sword. play this it's a two-edged sword right now Americans increasingly believe Trump is corrupt. Why do we believe that? Because he tells us all the time he's corrupt. And he shows us all the time he's corrupt. In this case, he sought to extort another country by using American military aid in order to get a single personal domestic political benefit. You know, this whole argument of Donald Trump, he's dedicated to fighting corruption. Yeah, that's like I'm dedicated to fighting against the Popeye's fried chicken sandwich, okay? (laughs) It's a battle I fight and lose constantly. <laughs> so, you know this this is a uh, this 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 is an administration that you know there's going to be accountability at some point, mostly for the people around him. Mm-hmm. Um, but impeachment has a has stained him. It is also psychologically troubling him. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get to removal in the Oval, sure, or in the Senate. You're not going to pull him out of the Oval Office from the Senate. You're just not. You're not going to get to two-thirds. It's something I said when I wrote the chapter and I said on social media and on a million news shows. People who believe that he's going to be removed because he was impeached in the House need to read the Constitution. Mm-hmm. It's got a little couple of extra steps yeah. there you got to go through. <laughs> I just I, I just think that that the increasing degree to which it marks Donald Trump as a self-serving criminal has a benefit. It has also opened up a whole bunch of other venues. I mean, the House needs the minute we the minute Mitch McConnell kills the baby in its crib, they need to go back. The Intelligence Committee needs Lev Parnas in their in their in their in the docket the second they they've got the bandwidth to do it. They need these other people in the docket the minute these other people the, the, mm-hmm. they've got the bandwidth to to cover it. And okay, so this so and there's some talk of that. There if, will be, if, oh yeah, depending on how things play out in the Senate, that the House might reopen right. investigations and get witnesses back. But, and one thing but about then, does that play into the narrative that Trump will pitch of, well, they couldn't do it in the Senate, so now it's just more of the same. They never give up. They couldn't do Russia, so they went well, to Ukraine. You know, he's going to say that. Re- he's going to say that regardless. Yeah, but no, no scandal with Trump ever gets better. Mm-hmm. You never, <laughs> you never, true. you never, when you're digging yeah. through the new evidence that always comes out, you never go, yeah. well, that fully exonerates the president. My <laughs> God, we were wrong all along. Yeah. You end up, in fact, with more data. I mean, mm-hmm. think about the Ukraine thing as uh, right now. It went from a perfect phone call with a transcript right. that was going to end <laughs> the discussion the day the White House released their transcript. Right. And I had a, I had a reporter from, from the, uh, from a major paper say to me, well, the transcript seems pretty clear. I, I, don't, I mean, it's, it's a little bit of whatever, but I, I'll. 
every day gets worse. The only easy day was yesterday. Mm-hmm. And the people in the Senate, this is a message for my friends in the Senate, you're defending Donald Trump with this Mitch McConnell plan to short-circuit impeachment. As more things come out, and they will come out, voters will not look at you as somebody who held a fair hearing in the Senate, a fair trial in the Senate. They'll look at you as a co-conspirator. Mm-hmm. And Trump relies on that a lot in the Republican Party. But he's going to defend himself on impeachment. But you know how much it bugs him. You mo- he hates it. He hates the fact that he's that he's got this stain on him now. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I just have to ask, because I know that you go way back with Rudy Giuliani and advises <laughs> mayoral and Senate campaigns. Mm-hmm. What the hell happened to him? What's going on with that guy? It is a tragedy that's playing out in front yeah. of us. And it's been a while since I talked to him since like six, 16. Yeah. So, you know, you, the guy is <laughs> he is experiencing ETTD. Mm-hmm. It, all the symptoms are present. Um, and the tragedy of Rudy is this. You know, when I went to work with him in 97, New York was at that inflection point where a couple of hard years of cleaning up the city and trying to turn the economy around were were starting to pay off. Yeah. And there was a great optimism in the city and a great uplift Mm -hmm. in in all five boroughs, in every possible community, things were turning around. Mm -hmm. And Rudy came out of that experience and the coda to his to his mayor's race or his, his career sorry the coda to his career as mayor was 911 mm-hmm. remember the election's still going on mike bloomberg and mark green are fighting it out rudy finds himself drawn to this moment where he met these characteristics that those of us who'd worked with him had always known about there's a good rudy and a bad Rudy. The bad Rudy is snippy, can be impetuous, can be a bastard. The good Rudy, when the shit hits the fan, stands up. Hmm. And my analogy always was Batman. Rudy was Batman. You know, there were times you just hated the way he got the job done, and you didn't want to look at it too closely. Uh-huh. His methods were rough around the edges. <laughs> but you wanted Batman when the world was on fire. And on 9-11... Rudy had a single moment of leadership that would have washed away a million sins. Mm-hmm. You would have named high schools sure. after this guy. Yeah. We would have had taught him as an example of leadership till the sun cooled. Yeah. America's mayor. America's mayor. And, you know, he ran for president in 2008. It didn't yeah. work. It didn't, you know, it, but it didn't kill him. It didn't. Yeah. He didn't leave the race humiliated and shamed. Right. It, it wasn't that bad. But he he took a big gamble. It, it was. And a gamble. let me ask you this. Yeah. Is Bloomberg's campaign basically a repeat of yes. Rudy two thousand eight? Yes. yes. It's it's a recapitulation of it with more money. Yeah. Well, will more money work? No. <laughs> no. Okay. No. Because <laughs> he's betting heavily on oh, Super yeah. Tuesday. Mm-hmm. He's betting very heavily, and yeah, you know, buying tons of ads. We'll see how we'll see how we've never been in that zone before. We'll see how it works. Yeah. But to finish with Rudy, sure. Unfortunately, Trump is both corrupt and corrupting, and I think Rudy was at a point in his life where he wanted relevance and excitement and a swan song. Mm-hmm. And when Trump came calling, there was a thing about Trump. Even though Rudy, when I when my experience with Trump and Rudy, Rudy was never like a Trump like fanboy. Mm-hmm. It was always like, oh, yeah, give Donald a couple parking passes. It was never like, we're going to move heaven and earth for the guy. Right, right. I mean, they um, were kind of casual social acquaintances. It, right. They were in the same sort of media pool, yeah. page six, you know, yeah. gossip rags York in crowd. New York. Yeah. Right. Um, but I think when Trump came along, he saw a chance to play t- to the one conceit that Trump and Rudy really share, and that's that New Yorkers are a different, superior species to all other mm-hmm. Americans. <laughs> It didn't work. Trump has now shamed him. He will not be Trump's attorney. This, the idea that Rudy the super lawyer was going to have this revival under Trump is wrong. Yeah. And, and ETTD. <laughs> and, you know, the irony, the painful, horrible irony. How did Rudy become mayor? By fighting in, when, he was, when he was U.S. attorney in the Southern District by putting scumbag criminals and corrupt politicians and money launderers and and foreign criminal organized crime in jail. Rudy now may go to jail 
because yeah. he helped a corrupt politician deal with foreign scumbags and money launderers. It's wow. It's Greek in the art uh, yeah, of this tragedy. Yeah. It is yeah. it is a, a, perf- a hermetically perfect tragedy yeah. playing out in front of us, and and no one around Rudy and everybody's tried to help him. Wow. Yeah. Everybody's tried to help him. Who can reach him? And he won't <laughs> talk to anybody about it. And he's going to go down it. with this thing. He's going to burn, and Trump will, Trump will leave him broke, and indicted, and destitute. And if he goes to prison, Trump won't help him. Like you said, everything Trump, Trump touches Trump. burns. <laughs> well, before... it, 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 the, when I came up with the everything Trump touches dies rule or dies, yeah, uh, I thought it was a sort of like a great line, a great book mm-hmm. title. But now it's become like an iron law of American yeah. politics, <laughs> and it's really a it's yeah. really a uh, it's really a lesson with yeah. very few exceptions. Definitely. Well, before we go, I just have to ask: Would you consider working as a consultant for the Democratic nominee? Well, uh, right now I'm a co-founder of the Lincoln Project, which is a group of former right. Republicans I've and conservatives who have put together a, a super PAC. We're raising mm-hmm. a significant amount of money right now. Not Mike Bloomberg money, but yeah. we're we're doing well. We're, we're we've got a very strong yeah. response both from the from, from the small dollar donor people and from major donors, mm-hmm. including a couple Republicans out there. Huh. Um, and George is that the one that George Conway's also involved George, in? George yeah, right. it's, it's Steve Schmidt, George Conway, right. myself, um, John Weaver, Reed Galen, mm-hmm. uh Tara Sutmer, a whole bunch of people now have joined the joined the throng, but the the the, the co founders, the guys with the badge, as I like to say, um we've had a uh a very powerful response to this. We've started going after Trump's enablers in the Senate. Uh, Cory Gardner and Sue Collins are on wow. deck right now, and they're not happy. <laughs> oh, oh. but you know the, the the Liam Neeson joke's pretty tired now. But <laughs> between us, we have a particular set of skills, <laughs> and we're applying those skills right yeah. now to cause Donald Trump some trouble <laughs> because we all believe, you know, kidding aside, that he is yeah. a proximate threat to this country's future yeah well i wish you the very best of luck with thank that. you so Fingers much ben. crossed appreciate you having me on yeah again the book is called running against the devil a plot to save america from trump and democrats from themselves rick wilson thanks so much for talking with me thanks again thanks again to rick wilson for coming on the show order his book running against the devil a plot to save america from trump and democrats from themselves on Amazon, Audible, or wherever books are sold. Keep up with Rick at therickwilson.com or on Twitter at at therickwilson. And look for his regular column at thedailybeast.com. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and rate and review us while you're there. Five-star ratings and detailed reviews are one of the best ways for new listeners to discover the show. You can also follow us on Facebook or on Twitter at at KickAssNewsPod and recommend us to your friends on your social media. For more fun stuff, visit KickAssNews.com and I welcome your comments, questions, and suggestions at comments at KickAssNews.com. For now, I'm Ben Mathis and thanks for listening to KickAss News. KickAssNews.